0: 21. Controlled by Shire Councils and Divisional Boards. The chief suburbs are Kangaroo Point, Fortitude Valley, New Farm, Red Hill, Paddington, Milan, Toolong, Breakfast Creek, Buolimba, Woolongaba, v04 p0574 Highgate and Indora Peely. The population of the metropolitan area in 1901 was 119.907 of the city proper, 28.953 of South Brisbane. 25.481. BRICUX. Charles Etienne C. 1680 1754. French architect. He was especially successful as a designer of internal decorations mantelpieces, mirrors, doors and overdoors, ceilings, consoles, candelabra, wall panelings and other fittings, chiefly in the Lewiskins mode. He was also an industrious writer on architectural subjects. His principal works are, Architecture Moderne 2 volumes. 1728, Lord de Badirelles Maisons de Campaign 2 volumes. 1743, Traité du Beau Essential d'Anzelles Arts. Appliqué Particulièrement d'Architecture 1752, and Traité des Proportions Harmoniques. BRISSAC. Dukes of. The FIFA Brissac in Anjou was acquired at the end of the 15th century by a noble French family named Cossy belonging to the same province. René de Cossy married into the Gouffier family just then very powerful at court, and became premier panelier chief pangler to a Louis XII. Two of his sons were marshals of France. Brissac was made a countship in 1564. Charles, the eldest, who was Grandmaster of Artillery, and Governor of Piedmont and of Picardy. The second, Arthus, who held the offices of Grand Panadier of France and Superintendent of Finance, distinguished himself in the religious wars. Charles I, I. De Coffee fought for the League, and as governor of Paris opened the gates of that town to Henry IV, who created him Marshal of France in 1594. Brissac was raised to a duchy in the peerage of France in 1611. Louis Hercule Timo Leon de Caussy, due to Brissac, and commandant of the Constitutional Guard of Louis XVI, was killed at Versailles on 9 September 1792 for his devotion to the king. MPBRI Eugène H. N. R. I. 1835, French statesman was born at Borges on the 31st of July 1835. He followed his father's profession of advocate, and having made himself conspicuous in opposition during the last days of the empire, was appointed deputy mayor of Paris after its overthrow. He was elected to the assembly on the 8th of February 1871. As a member of the extreme left, while not approving of the commune, he was the first to propose amnesty for the condemned on the fourteenth of September 1871 but the proposal was voted down. He strongly supported obligatory primary education, and was a firm anti-clerical. He was president of the chamber from 1881 replacing Gambetta to March 1885, when he became prime minister upon the resignation of Jules Ferry, but he resigned when, after the general elections of that year. He only just obtained a majority for the vote of credit for the Tonking Expedition. He remained conspicuous as a public man, Took a prominent part in exposing the Panama scandals. Was a powerful candidate for the presidency after the murder of President Carnot in 1894. And was again president of the chamber from December 1894 to 1898. In June of the latter year he formed a cabinet when the country was violently excited over the Dreyfus affair. His firmness and honesty increased the respect in which he was already held by good citizens. But a chance vote on an occasion of a special excitement overthrew his ministry in October. As one of the leaders of the Radicals he actively supported the ministries of Waldeck, Rousseau and Combs, especially concerning the laws on the religious orders and the separation of church and state. In 1899 he was a candidate for the presidency. In May 1906 he was elected president of the Chamber of Deputies by 500 out of 581 votes. B.R.I.S.S.O.N. Shock, 1723-1806 French Zoologist and Natural Philosopher was born at fontenay le on the 30th of April 1723. The earlier part of his life was spent in the pursuit of natural history. His published works in this department including Oregni Animal 1756 and Ornithology 1760. After the death of R.A.F. Riamour 1683-1757, whose assistant he was, he abandoned natural history, and was appointed professor of natural philosophy at Navarre and later at Paris. His most important work in this department was his poids' specifics to score 1787, but he published several other books on physical subjects which were in considerable repute for a time. He died at Croissy near Paris. On the 23rd of June 1806, B.R.I.S.O.D. shot Pier 1754-1793, who assumed the name of de W.A.R.V.I.L.I., a celebrated French ironist, was born at Chartres, where his father was an innkeeper. In January 1754, Brizot received a good education and entered the office of a lawyer at Paris. His first works, Théorie des Loïs Criminels 1781 and Bibliothèque Philosophique du Legislateur 1782, were on the philosophy of law, and showed how thoroughly Brizot was imbued with the ethical precepts of Rousseau. The first work was dedicated to Voltaire, and was received by the old philosophy with much favor. Brizot became known as a facile and able writer, and was engaged on the Mercure, on the Courier de l'Europe, and on other papers, ardently devoted to the service of humanity. He projected a scheme for a general concourse of all the savants in Europe, and started in London a paper, Journal du lycée de Londres, which was to be the organ of their views. The plan was unsuccessful, and soon after his return to Paris Brizot was lodged in the Bastille on the charge of having published a work against the government. He obtained his release after four months, and again devoted himself to pamphleteering, but had speedily to retire for a time to London. On the second visit he became acquainted with some of the leading abolitionists, and founded later in Paris' Associate de Semis des Noirs, of which he was president during 1790 and 1791. As an agent of this society he paid a visit to the United States in 1788 and in 1791 published his Nouveau Voyage d'Anzelles unis de l'Amerie Septentrionale 3 Volumes. From the first, Brizot threw himself heart and soul into the Revolution. He edited the Patriote Francais from 1789 to 1793, and being a well-informed and capable man took a prominent part in affairs. Upon the demolition of the Bastille the keys were presented to him, famous for his speeches at the Jacobin Club. He was elected a member of the Municipality of Paris, then of the Legislative Assembly, and later of the National Convention. During the Legislative Assembly his knowledge of foreign affairs enabled him as member of the Diplomatic Committee practically to direct the foreign policy of France, and the declaration of war against the Emperor on 20 April 1792, and that against England on 1 July 1793, were largely due to him. It was also Brizot who gave these wars the character of revolutionary propaganda. He was in many ways the leading spirit of the Guirondists, who were also known as Brizotans. Verniode certainly was far superior to him in oratory, but Brizot was quick, eager, impetuous, and a man of wide knowledge, but he was at the same time vacillating, and not qualified to struggle against the fierce energies roused by the events of the revolution. His party fell before the mountain, sentence of arrest was passed against the leading members of it on the 2nd of June 1793. Brizot attempted to escape in disguise, but was arrested at Moulins. His demeanor at the trial was quiet and dignified, and on the 31st of October 1793 he died bravely with several other guirondists. See Memoirs de Brizot, Sir Southeast's Contemporains et la Revolution Française, published by his sons, with notes by F. de Montreal Paris, 1830. Helena Williams. Souvenirs de la Révolution Française Paris. 1827. F.A. Allard. Elle's orateurs de la Legislative et de la Convention Second Education Paris. 1905. F.A. Allard. Elle's portraits littéraires de la du VIIE Sicla. Pendant La Révolution Paris. 1883. Bristol. Earls and Marquesses of. This English title has been held in the Hervey family since 1714. Though previously on Earldom of Bristol in the Didby family, is associated with two especially famous representatives, of whom separate biographies are given. The Hervey's are mentioned during the 13th century as seated in Bedfordshire, and afterwards in Suffolk, where they have held the estate of Ickworth since the 15th century. John Hervey, 1616-1679 was the eldest son of Sir William Hervey, D. 1660, and was born on the 18th of August 1616. He held a high position in the household of Catherine. Wife of Charles I, and was for many years member of Parliament for Caithy. He married Elizabeth, the only surviving child of his kinsman William, Lord Hervey of Cambrai, d. 1642, but left no children when he died on the 18th of January 1679, and his estates passed to his brother Sir Thomas Hervey, Sir Thomas, who was member of Parliament for Barry Street, Edmonds. V.04 P.0575 died on the 27th of May 1694, and was succeeded by his son John, who became the first Earl of Bristol. John H. R. V. I. First Earl of Bristol 1665-1751, born on the 27th of August 1665, was educated at Clare Hall, Cambridge, and became member of Parliament for Berry Street, Edmonds, in March 1694. In March 1703 he was created Baron Hervey of Itworth, and in October 1714 was made Earl of Bristol as a reward for his zeal in promoting the principles of the Revolution and supporting the Hanoverian succession. He died on the 20th of January 1751, by his first wife, Isabella D. 1693, daughter of Sir Robert Carr, Bart, of Sleaford. He had one son, Carr, Lord Hervey 1691-1723 who was educated at Clare Hall, Cambridge, and was member for Barry Street Edmonds from 1713 to 1722. It has been suggested that Carr, who died and married on 14 November 1723, was the father of Horace Walpole. He married secondly Elizabeth D. 1741, daughter and company heiress of Sir Thomas Felton, Bart, of Playford, Suffolk, by whom he had ten sons and six daughters. His eldest son, John 1696-1743, took the courtesy title of Lord Hervey on the death of his half-brother, Carr, in 1723, and gained some renown both as a writer and a politician C. H. E. R. V. E. F. I. C. K. W. R. D. H. Another son, Thomas 1699-1775, was one of the members for Barry from 1733 to 1747, held various offices at court, and eloped with Elizabeth, wife of Sir Thomas Hanmer, he had very poor health, and his reckless life frequently brought him into pecuniary and other difficulties. He wrote numerous pamphlets, and when he died Dr. Johnson said of him, Tom Hervey, though a vicious man, was one of the genteelest men who ever lived, another of the first Earl's sons, Felton 1712-1773, was also member for the family Burdo of Berry Street Edmonds, having assumed the additional name of Bathurst, Felton's grandson. Feltnell Wellm Hervey Bathurst 1780-1819 was created a baronet in 1818, and on his death a year later the title descended to his brother, Frederick in 1783-1824, the direct ancestor of the present baronet. The first Earl died in January 1751, the title and estates descending to his grandson, George William H. E. R. V., 2nd Earl of Bristol 1721 1775 the eldest son of John. Lord Hervey of Itworth, by his marriage with Mary, 1717-1768, 1700, daughter of Nicholas Lepel, was born on the 31st of August, 1721. He served for some years in the army, and in 1755 was sent to Turin as envoy extraordinary. He was ambassador at Madrid from 1758 to 1761, filling a difficult position with credit and dignity, and ranked among the followers of Pitt appointed lord lieutenant of ireland in 1766 he never visited that country during his short tenure of this office and after having served for a short time as keeper of the privy seal became groom of the stole to george iii in january 1770 he died and married on the 18th or 20th of march 1775 and was succeeded by his brother augustus john hervie third earl of bristol 1724 1779 was born on the 19th of May 1724, and entered the Navy, where his promotion was rapid. He distinguished himself in several encounters with the French, and was of great assistance to Admiral Hawke in 1759. Although he had returned to England before the Battle of Quiberon Bay in November 1759, having served with distinction in the West Indies under Rodney, his active life at sea ceased when the Peace of Paris was concluded in February 1763. He was However, nominally Commander-in-Chief in in the Mediterranean in this year, and was made Vice-Admiral of the Blue in January 1778, Hervey was Member of Parliament for Barry from 1757 to 1763, and after being for a short time Member for Saltash, again represented Barry from 1768 until he succeeded his brother in the peerage in 1775, he often took part in debates in Parliament, and was a frequent contributor to periodical literature. Having served as a Lord of the Admiralty from 1771 to 1775 he won some notoriety as an opponent of the Rockingham Ministry and a defender of Admiral Keppel. In August 1744 he had been secretly married to Elizabeth Chudley 1720-1788. Afterwards Duchess of Kingston QV but this union was dissolved in 1769. The Earl died in London on 23 December 1779, leaving no legitimate issue, and having as far as possible, alienated his property from the title. He was succeeded by his brother. Many of his letters are in the Record Office, and his journals in the British Museum. Other letters are printed in the Granville Papers, Volumes, e. I, and If, London, 1850-1853, and the life of Admiral Keppel, by the Han T. Keppel, London, 1852, Frederick Augustus H.E.R.V., Bishop of Derry 1730-1803, who now became 4th Earl of Bristol, was born on the 1st of August 1730, and educated at Westminster School and Corpus Christi College, Cambridge, graduating in 1754. Entering the church he became a royal chaplain, and while waiting for other preferment spent some time in Italy, whither he was led by his great interest in art. In February 1767, while his brother, the 2nd Earl, was Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, he was made Bishop of Clyme. And having improved the property of the sea he was translated to the rich bishopric of Derry a year later. Here again he was active and philanthropic. While not neglecting his luxurious personal tastes he spent large sums of money on making roads and assisting agriculture. And his munificence was shared by the city of Londonderry. He built splendid residences at Downhill and Bally which he adorned with rare works of art. As a bishop, Hervey was industrious and vigilant, he favored complete religious equality and was opposed to the system of tithes. In December 1779 he became Earl of Bristol, and in spite of his brother's will succeeded to a considerable property, having again passed some time in Italy. He returned to Ireland and in 1782 threw himself ardently into the Irish volunteer movement, quickly attaining a prominent position among the volunteers, and in great state attending the convention held in Dublin in November 1783. Carried away by his position and his popularity, he talked loudly of rebellion, and his violent language led the government to contemplate his arrest. Subsequently, he took no part in politics, spending his later years mainly on the continent of Europe. In 1798, he was imprisoned by the French at Milan, remaining in custody for 18 months. He died at Albano on the 8th of July, 1803, and was buried in Ickworth Church. Varying estimates have been found of his character including favorable ones by John Wesley and Jeremy Bentham. He was undoubtedly clever and cultured, but licentious and eccentric. In later life he openly professed materialistic opinions, he fell in love with the Countess Leech now, mistress of Frederick William I, I. King of Prussia, and by his bearing he gave fresh point to the saying that, God created men, women and hervies. In 1752 he had married Elizabeth D. 1800, daughter of Sir Jeremy Gavers, Bart. By whom he had two sons and three daughters. His elder son, Augustus John, Lord Hervey 1757-1796, had predeceased his father, and he was succeeded in the title by his younger son, Frederick William H. E. R. V. E., 5th Earl and 1st Marquess of Bristol 1769-1859, was born on 2 October 1769. He married Elizabeth Albanady 1844, daughter of Cloteworthy. First Baron Templetown, by whom he had six sons and three daughters, in 1826 he was created Marquess of Bristol and Earl Germain, and died on 15 February 1859, he was succeeded by his son Frederick William 1800 1864, MP4 Barry Street Edmonds 1830 1859, as second Marquess, and by the latter son Frederick William John 1834 1907. MP4 West Suffolk 1859 1864, as 3rd Marquess, the latter's nephew, Frederick William Thane Hervey B 1863, who succeeded as 4th Marquess, served with distinction in the Royal Navy, and was MP4 Barry Street, Edmonds from 1906 to 1907. See John, Lord Hervey, Memoirs of the Reign of George I. I. edited by J. W. Crocker, London, 1884, John Hervey, 1st Earl of Bristol. Diary Wells, 1894, and Letter Books of Bristol, with Sir T. Hervey's Letters During Courtship and Poems During Widowhood Wells, 1894. Also the articles in the Dictionary of National Biography, Volume 5, London, 1891. Bristol, George Didby, Second Earl of 1612-1677, eldest son of the First Earl C. Below, was born in October 1612. At the age of twelve he appeared at the bar of the House of Commons and pleaded for his father, then in the tower, when his youth, graceful person and well-delivered speech made a great V.04p.0576 impression. He was admitted to Magdalen College, Oxford, on the 15th of August 1626, where he was a favorite pupil of Peter Halen, and became MA in 1636. He spent the following years in study and in travel, from which he returned. According to Clarendon, the most accomplished person of our nation or perhaps any other nation, and distinguished by a remarkably handsome person, in 1638 and 1639 were written the letters between Lord George Didby and Sir Kenelm Didby, K.D., e. concerning religion Pubble, 1651, in which Didby attacked Roman Catholicism. In June 1634 Didby was committed to the fleet till July for striking Crofts, a gentleman of the court, in Spring Gardens, and possibly his severe treatment and the disfavor shown to his father were the causes of his hostility to the court. He was elected member for Dorsetshire in both the short and long parliaments in 1640, and in conjunction with Pym and Hampton he took an active part in the opposition to Charles. He moved on the 9th of November for a committee to consider the deplorable state of the kingdom, and on the 11th was included in the committee for the impeachment of Strafford, against whom he at first showed great zeal. He, however, opposed the attainder, made an eloquent speech on 21 April 1641, accentuating the weakness of Vane's evidence against the prisoner, and showing the injustice of ex post facto legislation. He was regarded in consequence with great hostility by the parliamentary party, and was accused of having stolen from Pym table Vane's notes on which the prosecution mainly depended. On 15 July his speech was burnt by the hangman by the order of the House of Commons, Meanwhile on the 8th of February he had made an important speech in the commons advocating the reformation and opposing the abolition of episcopacy. On the 8th of June, during the angry discussion on the army plot, he narrowly escaped assault in the house, and the following day, in order to save him from further attacks, the king called him up to the lords in his father's barony of Didby. He now became the evil genius of Charles had the incredible folly to follow his advice in preference to such men as Hyde and Falkland. In November he is recorded as performing, singular good service, and, doing beyond admiration, in speaking in the Lords against the instruction concerning evil counsellors. He suggested to Charles the impeachment of the five members, and urged upon him the fatal attempt to arrest them on the 4th of January 1642, but he failed to play his part in the Lords in securing the arrest of Lord Mandeville to whom on the contrary he declared that, the king was very mischievously advised, and according to Clarendon his imprudence was responsible for the betrayal of the king's plan. Next day he advised the attempt to seize them in the city by force. The same month he was ordered to appear in the lords to answer a charge of high treason for a supposed armed attempt at Kingston, but fled to Holland, where he joined the queen, and on the 26th of February was impeached. Subsequently he visited Charles at York disguised as a Frenchman but on the return voyage to Holland he was captured and taken to Hull, where he for some time escaped detection, and at last he cajoled Sir John Hottam, after discovering himself, into permitting his escape. Later he ventured on a second visit to Hull to persuade Hottam to surrender the place to Charles, but this project failed. He was present at Edgehill and greatly distinguished himself at Lichfield, where he was wounded while leading the assault. He soon, however, Threw down his commission in consequence of a quarrel with Prince Rupert and returned to the king at Oxford, over whom he obtained more influence as the prospect became more gloomy. On the 28th of September 1643, he was appointed Secretary of State and a Privy Councillor, and on the 31st of October, High Steward of Oxford University. He now supported the queen's disastrous policy of foreign alliances and help from Ireland and engaged in a series of imprudent and ill-conducted negotiations which greatly injured the King's affairs, while his fierce disputes with Rupert and his party further embarrassed them. On the 14 October 1645 he was made lieutenant-general of the Royal Forces north of the Trent, with the object of pushing through to join Montrose, but he was defeated on the 15th at Sherbourne, where his correspondence was captured disclosing the king's expectations from abroad and from Ireland and his intrigues with the Scots, and after reaching Dumfries, he found his way barred. He escaped on the 24th to the Isle of Man, thence crossing to Ireland, where he caused Glamorgan to be arrested. Here, on this new stage, he believed he was going to achieve wonders, had I not carried my body swimmingly. He wrote to hide in irrepressible good spirits, who being before so irreconcilably hated by the Puritan party, had thus seasonably made myself as odious to the Papists, his project now was to bring over Prince Charles to head a royalist movement in the island, and having joined Charles at Jersey in April 1646, he intended to entrap him on board, but was dissuaded by Hyde. He then travelled to Paris to gain the Queen's consent to his scheme, but returned to persuade Charles to go to Paris, and accompanied him thither, revisiting Ireland on the 29th of June once more and finally escaping to France on the surrender of the island to the Parliament. At Paris amongst the Royalists he found himself in a nest of enemies eager to pay off old scores. Prince Rupert challenged him, and he fought a duel with Lord Wilmot. He continued his adventures by serving in Louis XIV. Single quote as troops in the War of the Front, in which he greatly distinguished himself. He was appointed in 1651 Lieutenant General in the French Army, and Commander of the Forces in Flanders. These new honors, however, were soon lost. During Mazarin's enforced absence from the court Didby aspired to become his successor, and the cardinal, who had from the first penetrated his character and regarded him as a mere adventurer. On his restoration to power sent Didby away on an expedition in Italy, and on his return informed him that he was included in the list of those expelled from France, in accordance with the new treaty with Cromwell. In August 1656 he joined Charles I. I. at Bruges, and desirous of avenging himself upon the Cardinal offered his services to Don John of Austria in the Netherlands, being instrumental in effecting the surrender of the garrison of St. Guislaine to Spain in 1657. On the 1st of January 1657 he was appointed by Charles I. I, Secretary of State, but shortly afterwards, having become a Roman Catholic probably with the view of adapting himself better to his new Spanish friends he was compelled to resign office. Charles, however on account of his jollity and spanish experience took him with him to spain in 1659 though his presence was especially deprecated by the spanish but he succeeded in ingratiating himself and was welcomed by the king of spain subsequently at madrid by the death of his father did had succeeded in january 1659 to the peerages second earl of bristol and had been made KG the same month he returned to england at the restoration When he found himself excluded from office on account of his religion, and relegated to only secondary importance, his desire to make a brilliant figure induced a restless and ambitious activity in Parliament. He adopted an attitude of violent hostility to Clarendon. In foreign affairs he inclined strongly to the side of Spain, and opposed the king's marriage with Catherine of Portugal. He persuaded Charles to dispatch him to Italy to view the Medici princesses but the royal marriage and treaty with Portugal were settled in his absence. In June 1663 he made an attempt to upset Clarendon's management of the House of Commons, but his intrigue was exposed to the Parliament by Charles, and Bristol was obliged to attend the House to exonerate himself, when he confessed that he had taken the liberty of enlarging, and his comedian-like speech excited general amusement, exasperated by these failures, in a violent scene with the King early in July he broke out into fierce and disrespectful reproaches, ending with a threat that unless Charles granted his requests within 24 hours, he would do somewhat that should awaken him out of his slumbers, and make him look better to his own business. Accordingly on the 10th he impeached Clarendon in the Lords of High Treason, and on the charge being dismissed renewed v.04p.0577 his accusation, and was expelled from the court only avoiding the warrant issued for his apprehension by a concealment of two years. In January 1664 he caused a new sensation by his appearance at his house at Wimbledon, where he publicly renounced before witnesses his Roman Catholicism, and declared himself a Protestant, his motive being probably to secure immunity from the charge of recusancy preferred against him. When, however, the fall of Clarendon was desired, Bristol was again welcomed at court, He took his seat in the Lords on the 29th of July 1667. The King, wrote Pepys in November, who not long ago did say of Bristol that he was a man able in three years to get himself the fortune in any kingdom in the world and lose all again in three months, to now hug him and commend his parts everywhere above all the world. He pressed eagerly for Clarendon's Commodal, and on the refusal of the Lords accused them of mutiny and rebellion, and entered his descent with great fury. In March 1668 he attended prayers in the Lords. On the 15th of March 1673 though still ostensibly a Roman Catholic, he spoke in favor of the Test Act, describing himself as, a Catholic of the Church of Rome, not a Catholic of the Court of Rome, and asserting the unfitness of Romanists for public office. His adventurous and erratic career closed by death on the 20th of March 1677. Bristol was one of the most striking and conspicuous figures of his time a man of brilliant abilities, a great orator, one who distinguished himself without effort in any sphere of activity he chose to enter, but whose natural gifts were marred by a restless ambition and instability of character fatal to a real greatness. Clarendon describes him as, the only man I ever knew of such incomparable parts that was none the wiser for any experience or misfortune that befell him, and records his extraordinary facility in making friends and making enemies. Horace Walpole characterized him in a series of his smartest antitheses as a singular person whose life was one contradiction. He wrote against popery and embraced it, he was a zealous opposer of the court and a sacrifice for it, was conscientiously converted in the midst of his prosecution of Lord Strafford and was most inconscientiously a persecutor of Lord Clarendon. With great parts, he always hurt himself and his friends, with romantic bravery. He was always an unsuccessful commander. He spoke for the test act, though a Roman Catholic, and addicted himself to astrology on the birthday of true philosophy. Besides his youthful correspondence with Sir K. Didby on the subject of religion already mentioned, he was the author of an V 1643, Thomas on Tracks, E. 3432, justifying his support of the king's cause, of Elvira, a comedy 1667, printed in R. Doddsley's Select Collect, of old English plays Hazlitt. 1876, Volume XV, and of Worse and Worse, an adaptation from the Spanish, acted but not printed. Other writings are also ascribed to him, including the authorship with Sir Samuel Took of The Adventures of Five Hours, 1663. His eloquent and blunt speeches, many of which were printed, are included in the article in the Biog, Brit, and among the Thomas tracks, see also the general catalogue in the British Museum. The catalogue of his library was published in 1680. He married Lady Anne Russell, daughter of Francis, 4th Earl of Bedford, by whom, besides two daughters, he had two sons, Francis, who predeceased him and married, and John, who succeeded him as 3rd Earl of Bristol. That whose death without issue the peerage became extinct. Authorities: see the article Indict. Matt, Myog. Woods of Oxon. Bliss. The I. 1111.05. Biographia Brit. Kip Ives. V210238. H. Walpole's Royal and Noble Authors Park. 1806. The I. 191. Roshews Anglicanus. By J. Downs. Pages 31. 36. 1789. Cunningham's Lives of Eminent Englishmen 1837. The I. 29. Summers Tracts 1750. The I. 1809. If. Harley and Miscellany 1808. V.I. Life by T.H. Lister 1838, State Papers. PCYE in the Didbee Line, for the Hervey C above. Clarendon State Papers. V.I. E. 201. Memoirs to Cardinal de Retz 1859. App.E.I. 437. 442. Pepys Diary. IF. 51. IB. V.I. 199. IB. 207. Protests of the Lords. By J.E.T. Rogers. I-36, Bristol, John Didby, 1st Earl of 1580-1653, English diplomatist, son of Sir George Didby of Coleshill, Warwickshire, and of Abigail, daughter of Sir Arthur Henningham, was born in 1580, and entered Magdalen College, Oxford, in 1595 meters A-1605, becoming a member of the Inner Temple in 1598. In 1605 he was sent to James to inform him of the safety of the Princess Elizabeth at the time of the gunpowder plot. He gained his favor, was made a gentleman of the privy chamber and one of the king's carvers, and was knighted in 1607. From 1610 to 1611 he was member of Parliament for Hayden. In 1611 he was sent as ambassador to Spain to negotiate a marriage between Prince Henry and the Infanta, and to champion the cause of the English merchants for whom he obtained substantial concessions, and arranged the appointment of consuls at Lisbon and Seville, The l. Al-